everyone. Welcome to Breakthrough, a Dale Carnegie podcast. It is awesome to have you guys here. We have a special guest today. This podcast is for student leaders. It is for parents. It is for teachers, anyone who wants to be inspired and learn from the best of the best. We are looking forward to having our guest, Dr. Mary Hemphill, today. She is the CEO and founder of Limitless Leader, a company that helps individuals ignite the leader in themselves. Man, can all of us learn from her. She has served better in her communities, companies, and personal career. She is a leadership expert, educator. She has over 15 years of professional experience as a teacher, administrator, state director, and university professor. Guys, she has done it all. She holds a PhD in leadership studies, and has led, coached, and impacted close to 25,000 individuals around the world, not just in the US, around the world for transformational and innovative strategy, self-empowerment and leadership. Man, she covers all the bases. And so we're so excited to have Mary here today. Mary, can you start off with sharing a little bit how you got into leadership? So take us back you know, Absolutely. is it to start in childhood, whenever it did, where did that passion ignite? Absolutely. First of all, thank you so much, Faith, for having me here. Um, I'm super excited to engage with your community. And I'm going to say that my leadership journey literally started the moment I decided I wanted to be an educator. I think I was three years old and my mom came in and she was like, what are you doing with your dolls? And I said, I'm set up a classroom and I'm grading them. And she I had watched school. I had watched my mom and how she had, at the time she was on the school board. And so I had been in schools. I wasn't, you know, a foreign to the concept. And I will say, as soon as I became old enough to say, you know what, this is what I want to pursue. I became a North Carolina teaching fellow. And I did not realize the impact of leadership until I had had the perfect non-example of what a good leader is. And I think that's with anything. When you experience something that is negative, you're like, what is the polar opposite of this? Because I don't want other human beings feeling this way. Immediately as a teacher, I said, I don't want to make my teachers feel less than. I want to build them up so much to the point where it's contagious. And they go back into their classroom and their students feel it. And it was then as a teacher, I decided I wanted to, to be on this path. And so that from there, I became a teacher, assistant principal, principal and then eventually state director. And I'll tell you, um, going from a classroom in Hickory, North Carolina, to being over 1.6 million children in North Carolina, my path confirmed my purpose. And every struggle I had, I didn't realize it then, it was getting me ready to coach somebody else out of being limited. Um, every issue I had with a parent or community member or another leader, it was literally getting me ready to help people come out of their shell and to help people find their purpose. So I'll say that my journey to leadership, it started because of the limits that were put on me and I had mm. to figure out how to break out of them to be able to help other people. And until I was able to do that and articulate it, um, I wasn't grateful for it in the moment, so grateful for it now. But um, I say to everybody, your life has the breadcrumbs. The breadcrumbs tell your story. And even if you feel like you're going through it and you don't want to, go through. Because on the other side of that, you could find your business, your product, your service, and only you can do it. Only you can do it. Mm. 
man, I've like goosebumps already. I'm like in this, you have got me all fired up. And, uh, and Mary, that is why we got you here. So first of all, Yes. And, and there's so much value that we can get out of and learn from, uh, you know, just as much the good examples of leadership as the bad examples, what I want to emulate, what I don't want to emulate. And, you know, as you were kind of moving uh, forward in your career and taking those next steps right up to being, you know, the, the one overseeing this, you know, 1.6 million students across, you know, North Carolina, what was kind of that feeling for you how did as your responsibility was growing was there ever a time where you felt like oh I'm not ready for this or were you hey I'm ready to jump in ready to jump in what was that journey like for you absolutely I'm so glad you asked this question because I think a lot of times I've coached leaders and they say I'm not ready I know I applied and then I didn't think I was going to get it so I, I don't think I'm ready not only have I stepped in places where I felt imposter syndrome but I also had people punctuate that thought for me by saying, are you sure you're the principal? You look really young. Or going into meetings and people saying, um, this is the meeting for the executive directors. The interns are down the hall. So not only was I walking in like, don't know if I'm supposed to be here, but then people were punctuating it for me. But it was that experience of I'm supposed to be here. Not only am I supposed to be here, but my life experience has brought me here. Every application I've filled out, every interview that I've gone to, every conversation I've had that has led to a job, I was talking about my story. And that's what I tell people all the time. You can never take your story away from somebody. Mm. You may not have 30 years, but you have, made, have had a 30 minute experience that changed who you were. Your life qualifies you to be at the table. And if you've heard me ever speak, I know Parker, you have, but my motto is if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. So we can unintentionally put people on the menu because they don't look the part, because they don't have the years we think they should have, because they sound different, because maybe they took a different path. And how many times do we disinvite people simply by what we see on the outside? Because Parker, every single time I've gone into a school I've sat at the table or opened my mouth. I dismantle assumptions by mm -hmm. the fact that I do have solutions. I do think about things differently. I do want to innovate spaces. And it's not a gotcha or a, oh, see, I could do it. But there's nothing better than having imposter syndrome and walking out being like, you know what? I deserved it. I worked for it. I've lived through it. I deserve to be at this table, not because I've lived the years, but because I'm passionate about the work and I know my heart's in the right place. Now I'm glad you're on board with it, but I'm still going to do the work. That's not going to stop me. And the other thing with this is too, and I tell this story a lot, my first principalship, I was the youngest principal in North Carolina. And for many, many months, that beginning of the school year, I said, I don't know, like, I think I've bit off more than I can chew. But I remember I was at Car Riders and I had a kindergarten baby and I opened the door. She came out and I always gave my kids hugs. I was like, come on, we're gonna have a great day. She hugged me around my leg and she said, Dr. Hemphill, I've never seen anybody who looks like you who was in the front office. Hmm. And for me, I knew right then that my imposter syndrome, that may stop me for a second, but it wasn't gonna stop me in my tracks. What we don't realize is when we have imposter syndrome, you're breaking down barriers for somebody else. 
you're making it a little bit easier for them to be in that space. So it was worth the fear. It was worth the months of me having to work through my stuff to know that I matter and to know that I deserve that position because she'll never forget the fact that she saw somebody who looked like her, sounded like her, had her background and was in the main office. Not, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I wasn't cleaning the building. I wasn't serving. I was literally her leader. That's why we have to get over the imposter syndrome and work through it ourselves because we may be somebody else's answer. It sounds like being someone else's answer really motivated you. That it seems like time and time again, whenever students, you know, said these things to you, it kind of got you over that hump as you were trying to work through things yourself and overcome that imposter syndrome And, and that passion that you have, as well as your story, you're right. No one can take that away from you. And so listeners that you know are listening to this who who might be younger and wanting to step into leadership positions but they feel that imposter syndrome what if they what if they're hearing you know those comments that people have made to you that may have been negative right and, and held you back for a second but you got over it How, what would you say to them what what would your advice be to them to overcome challenges like that absolutely um, I love this question because what I found much, many times through trial and error is that everything that was for me came because I was my authentic self. And I'm going to say for young people, whether personal or professional, if it is for you, it is not going to come to you and create chaos or confusion. Okay. What I mean by so- that is <laughs> I landed. So- absolutely, Faith. Absolutely. I landed my biggest contract for my company because I was authentically me. What I mean by that is an organization was looking for a DEI coach. And I was just breaking into DEI. I just started my business. It was around 2020. You know, that was a fun year, real fun. And I didn't realize it at the time, but the organization had 17 individuals they interviewed as their primary DEI consultant. I beat out five and then it was down to two. And then the final interview was with the president and I ended up getting the contract. But before we started, she and her HR director got online and they said, Dr. Hemphill, there are established DEI organizations that pitched to us and we did not want them. We wanted you because you're you. We wanted you because of the fact that you come to this work passionately. We come to this work as a th- who, who you are, everything from your natural hair to your Southern accent. You have the educator background, so you understand people, but you also are a millennial, so you kind of get the flow and the transition. And they say, and also, you personalized your response to every question. The other organizations, they did a pitch that sounds good. They talked about their numbers. They said, but you were clear about the fact that you're just starting out. But we didn't want that type of canned answer. We want you. That's when I realized, again, nothing's going to come to you in chaos and confusion. So for people, young people, particularly Gen Z, everything that makes you unique is why your niche is yours. If you are not who you are, the fabric of how you're stitched together, the essence of how you got to this place, you could miss out on responding to your greatest client, the greatest need, the greatest book you'll ever write, the greatest podcast you'll ever record. So as you define yourself and whatever it is that you want to put out there, the answer is going to be in people who resonate with you, 
not with people or clients or any type of contract that requires you to step away from who you authentically are. Because see, when you're in your flow and when you're providing on that level, everything's better. Your impact is greater because you don't have to play, what mask do I need to put on today? What do I need to say today? You just show up. And the thing is, every young leader that I've coached, they say, but Dr. Hemphill, it doesn't feel like work. It's not supposed to, because it's yours. So stay in the flow, stay who, stay authentically you, and stay proud of the fact that nobody else is like you. That actually is your biggest selling point. Oh, it's so powerful. And and the real, you know, when, when we look at how can I bring my authentic self? How can I be clear about what I'm bringing to the table? A lot of times, you know, even for me, the things that I'm hearing for, for students that I work with, it's like, oh, well, you know, if, if I actually tell them, like, I just want to tell them what they want to hear, what I think they want to hear, right? And in this situation, a great example of if you had done that and said, oh, I think they want to just see my case studies and experience. And like, if you had brought that, then you would have been on this list with everyone else who is, you know, ah, oh, well, it's, it wasn't really a great fit for us. Right. And so really being able to bring yourself, bring you, it's not that, yes, people will say no. Like, I'm sure there are going to be people out there who say no to that. They don't want to support someone early on, whatever, but you're going to find the right people. You might not find everyone. You're going to find the right people. Right. And so as you were starting to discover and, and as you're talking to more people about this idea, you know, you mentioned it doesn't feel like work because it's just what you get to do. Right. Um, for students who are high school, college students trying to find direction, discover their passions. What did that look like early on for you? And also, yeah. you know, for them as they're discovering, what should they be doing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, two things I would say, ask and do it scared. What I mean by that is a lot of times, and again, I'm in education, so I see this, but we want to provide the opportunities for students, but we don't know, especially if we haven't spent any type of time investing in a relationship, we don't know what makes you tick. For instance, I was huge on language. I took all the Spanish classes I could take up to my junior year. So then senior year, I asked my principal, and it was crazy because nobody had ever done it. I said, can I teach an ESL class with a teacher, but can I do it for credit? They were like, we've never, we've never, we've never done that before. And I said, well, what if I work with the counselors and I get the credit, I write up a syllabus, I do all those things, perfect, do it. I was the first high school student to teach an ESL class for credit, but I wouldn't known, have known that was an opportunity, but I got to do two things. I got to teach, which confirmed that I loved it. And I got to be able to do something to give back. So there are educators out there. So if you're in school and there's something that's not being presented, there's not a club, there's not a class, ask. Maybe you can partner with the local community college or for your university and be that high school bridge. And if that's not for you, say to your principal or a counselor or a teacher, listen, I'm really interested in STEM. Can we bring some other speakers in? Not that, you know, I wanna make sure that there's community access so ask, here's the thing, the worst thing anybody can ever tell you is no. Then you're literally in no better or worse situation than you are right now. And the other thing is, is you're gonna have to do it scared. What I love about Gen Z 
is that the amount of resources and human capital at your disposal starts with this fact of this device where 7.9 billion people are at your beck and call. You just have to shine the light so they know exactly what direction to go in. What do I mean by that? When I say do it scared, you may be the first in your family to do the thing. You may not have a blueprint for how it looks, or you may be following the lineage of a very successful family history. That doesn't mean you can't put your spin on it. That doesn't mean you can't innovate it. That doesn't mean that you can take the path less traveled. Because again, that might be your answer. But if you don't ask and you don't do it scared, you're never going to know what's on the other side of that no, which may be a yes. It's just waiting on you to ask the question. And there are also two. What I love about Gen Z, and I don't think enough people do this, you all have answers for questions that haven't been asked yet, but we're never going to know if we don't invite you into the rooms, into the committees, into the positions. So for me and my organization, I'm always saying, listen, this may be a 19-year-old, a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, but they see the world so differently. We could be missing something if we're not asking them their perspective on this. And then y'all, it's not going to sound like what it sounded like 10 years ago. And that's okay. But if it does sound different, what's my body language? How am I posturing myself? So I don't shut a young person down by what my face and my mouth did not say. So I want to make sure that for my team, <clears throat> I always tell them 80% of what you say is your body language. I don't ever want us to shut somebody down because we frowned or we were like, that's not going to work. Because again, if we say we're limitless, then we can't put limits on people by how we respond to them. So I always tell leaders, be open to the fact that you're going to get some questions and ideas, unlike anything you've ever heard. That may be what's going to keep your organization afloat. Because if COVID's taught us nothing, it is to get ready for what's going to happen in the future. Mary, thank you for giving us an insight to, to how you express and how you work as a limitless leader. Because if your if your mantra, you know, is to be a limitless leader, giving us the insight to how you run your team, right? How you express the um, need to be open and to have humility when it comes to um, looking to Gen Z for that information as well and things that they can learn from. Because so often, you know, we're looking to the older generations to learn from them. And then the older generations don't realize that they can as well learn from the younger. And so I just think what you said there was huge and how you're modeling that um, and expressing that to other teachers and educators, right? To parents to do that as well. What's another piece of advice you would say to kind of tag along with that humility, open body language um, um, towards Gen Z? Questioning. And I just had this conversation. If you ask the right questions, you're going to get the right answers. So I always say, particularly for Gen Z, stay away from what and who questions, because that's very short-lived. If I say who, and you're like, okay, well, it was Faith. You answer my question, but you, you're not telling me what's Faith's skill set? What does she love? What is she involved in? What is she doing? Leaders who want to engage all generations ask how and why questions. Because I can say, and I just did this, I just worked with the town. And they said, we are having a lot of trouble 
getting lifeguards to apply because there's nothing really big. It's a little town, beautiful, right by the ocean, but we just don't know how to get the young people here. The whole board, okay, 50 and up, the whole board, 50 and up. So one of their individuals who's the public information officer, she said, now we could do like a TikTok ad. The board was like, oh, TikTok. Why would we want to do TikTok, right? She said, let me try it. Let me just run one ad for two weeks. Just give me 10 days. They said, okay, but if it doesn't work, we're taking it down because we don't want our town out there like that. Faith Parker, they had over 100 applicants for lifeguards. They were able to fill all of their rotating slots. And by virtue of the TikTok, the town went viral. They had people going to their website. The hits on the website went up. Economically, it was drawing more people's eyes. So now, needless to say, they have an official TikTok page. But if the leveraging of that commissioner's board had said, absolutely not, we're staying away from TikTok, social media, nothing, they would have had the same problem and no solutions. But instead of saying, okay, what are we going to do? The answer was TikTok. How are we going to do it? She was able to open up and say, there's this, we can do this ad, we can run here, we'll do comments, we'll do an incentive. That how and why question was able to pull off her. It shows now another skill set. She actually was given funds to hire a social media intern for half the summer, which again, brought in interest, brought in all those things. So if you ask the right questions, you will get the right answers, but don't pigeonhole Gen Z to these one word answers. Let them tell you how and why and let them help you make sense of it so that you can fit new ways into a traditional model. Yeah, well, and and we we see that. So, I mean, in, you know, now I'm in the whole marketing world and all of this and even, you know, companies are saying, okay, well now there's something unique here. You know, there's all of these different innovations that are happening. And, and Mary, something that you and I have chatted about in the past, but I've always been passionate about is, you know, there is a certain energy and, and nuance and technology and innovation that Gen Z is bringing to the workforce. And when we can pair that desire for impact and those ideas and that willingness to, to try new things with, you know, financial influence and decision-making influence, and we can partner those two things, we look at this cross-generational opportunity to really have a significant impact in the world. And it isn't just Gen Z by themselves. It isn't just, you know, other generations that are, that are, you know, further along in their career journey by themselves, right? It is this partnership, this pairing, and that's something I'm incredibly passionate about. And I'm curious to get your feedback. Like, one of the things that I hear from students often from our generation is, ah, well, you know, other generations, you know, they're closed minded or they're, they're whatever, you know, there are those that have that feeling of, oh, I've been rejected in the past. I don't, I don't even know if it's worth going back and, and having that conversation over and over again. What's your take on how we, as the next generation, can bring those ideas and energy, but in a way that is that is influential, how can we approach that conversation more effectively to someone who may be able to take that idea and put financial backing or, or the influential backing behind it? Absolutely. This is about establishing foundation and it's also about establishing expertise. So when I coach individuals who are looking to find their voice, particularly if they're new, 
I use piggybacking. So what I mean is Parker and Faith are in a meeting about entrepreneurship. And they're in a meeting with a 30-year-old vet who started his company, proven track record of success, bottom line is increasing, everything. But you both recognize he's owning the meeting. Everybody's looking to him for an answer. Everybody's looking to him to respond. Y'all are trying to find the entry point, piggyback. So Parker would say something like, Richard, that is a fantastic idea. I actually had some experience with that, except we tried to be able to do this. I love that foundation. One of the ways we can reach a different audience is by using your idea and dot, dot, dot. Mm. Then Faith piggybacks. Richard, absolutely think that the market is ready for that idea. We know that this recession's coming up. You made a really great point. Might I also add that? So it's like a yes and. Yes, I acknowledge the fact that you've been at the table for 30 years. But let me also leverage your idea. Thank you for that foundation. But I'm going to step on your ledge to create my space. So when you do that, that other individual feels like, okay, they're listening. They're able to analyze and operationalize new ideas with maybe old resources, but it doesn't negate the fact that that individual has that expertise. I think a lot of times we get in competition. I want to talk more. I have better ideas. This is about teamwork. And I think Gen Z is positioned beautifully to understand, okay, let me look ahead and see what has worked, what hasn't worked. But let me also recognize the fact that I have technology. I can do this in terms of, get I can get ideas in Bombay and Dubai and Texas right now just by creating this opportunity digitally so that I can bring that efficacy into the boardroom. But I got to use what the foundation that people have already utilized for me. So piggybacking is huge. But also making sure that you have advocates and mentors is very important. Mentors and advocates are two different things. Mentors are faith, listen. This is, I'm pouring into you my story, what I've been through, and I'm listening to you to help you navigate in the moment. But an advocate specifically knows what Faith is trying to do with her company, her business, and her life. So as an advocate, I don't necessarily have to mentor Faith. I check in with her, but my goal is that I'm over here. I'm speaking her name in rooms her feet haven't been in yet. I'm saying to my boss, who is maybe the COO or the CEO. And they're like, I'm looking for somebody who, yeah, have you heard about Faith? She just graduated from the, she's getting her master's degree. She's in the entrepreneur house. You want her at the table. See the difference. And then I'm texting Faith, be like, expect an email, expect a phone call. That's it. But she has to hire me as her advocate. She has to keep me updated quarterly on what she's working on so that as opportunities come my way, I'm floating her way. Almost like a sponsor. So uh, for Gen Z, I say, use the piggybacking, recognize who's in the room, leverage their expertise to build your foundation, but then also hire your mentor and your advocate, making sure that you're keeping them updated so that they can do the work and you can work together to start building that future. That is so good, Mary. You said so many good things in there with, with the piggybacking. You know, making people feel acknowledged, valued, seen, heard. I feel like that's the core at what people truly desire. Whenever they're trying to get somewhere in conversation with people, they just want to know that they're being heard and that they're seen as individuals with, with the ability to make things happen and that has good ideas. You know, so collaborating in that sort of way, having good communication skills is something that, um, 
and Dale Carnegie with our Generation Next program that we teach young adults how to do, right? So if any listeners are here looking for that type of communication that will get you farther, um, not just in the classroom, but in in your workforce coming up, um, that's a good place to start these tools that Mary's been talking about. Um, And then as well as looking at mentorship and advocacy, a lot of people have heard of mentorship, but I, I don't know if many people have really heard the term advocate and and done that in in a formal way, you know, checking in with someone quarterly or asking them to be their advocate, putting that on the front of people's minds. Because if someone says that they want them to be their advocate and here's what that entails, you know, it it puts a different spin on the way that people communicate them with others and the way that they're listening for places to name drop. And, and to showcase those that they're advocating. So that's a great idea. It's something that a lot of people can benefit from. I'm going to be implementing that. So thank you, Mary. Um, Mary, so we see so many good things that, that you've said and the, and the people that you've impacted is just crazy amazing. Now, looking ahead in the future, what do you see like the next three to five years looking like on this limitless path you have ahead? Absolutely. I I love this question. And we just actually um, met with our team and we decided, you know, we're at a beautiful place where we're not a new company, but we can sort of, you know, invest a little bit more. And I think that's going to be it. We are looking over the next three years to invest very heavily, not only in Gen Z, but also in those individuals who are really ready to take the limits off of their life to be able to create impact and community and career And we want to do that not only by opening up our nonprofit, um, so we're really excited to open up that branch of Limitless, and that's just to be able to give back. We have been so blessed. And yes, we are grateful for our programming and curricula. Um, We we just released a new planner, affirmation planner, to help leaders speak life to their life. But now it's ready. It's for time to go into the nonprofit and to be able to create programming where we can bring leaders in for a week at a time, take them through this programming, whether it be educators or corporate level, and really to say, okay, when it comes to purpose and community and social impact, how can we help you do that? We're in a great place right now with empowering the future work where lots of people working remotely. So work just looks different. We want our nonprofit to help people create that social impact in a limitless way and to be able to continue fueling their dreams. Well, and that could look like working a nine to five or starting their own organization. Um, But over the next three years, we hope to open that up and really be able to give back free leadership programming to amazing limitless leaders to go out into the world and change it. Incredible. I am so excited for this and to see you um, over these next few years and how that takes off. If people want to follow your journey and see what you're up to coming up, where should they follow you on social media? Uh, Absolutely. On Instagram and LinkedIn, it's Dr. Mary Hemphill, the Limitless Lady. You can also go to our website, www.balimitlessleader.com. And there you'll find all our books. We even have a mental health course um, with a coupon code there. So hit us up on our website, Instagram or LinkedIn for all that information. Perfect. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary Hemphill, for joining us today. It was a fabulous episode. For those of you uh, that also want to follow 
Dale Carnegie Eastern East North Carolina NC Dale Carnegie East NC yeah. on Instagram. There we go. Right on. Uh, you can follow us there. And um, for anyone that is listening that hasn't subscribed, click the subscribe button so you get a notification for every time a new podcast episode comes out. Um, thank you, Parker, again for being our guest co-host for another episode. And we can't wait to see you guys again on the next episode. Thanks for listening.